When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our series of draft countdowns. And today we're going to talk about the cornerbacks. One of our favorite all-time guests and friends of the show, Michael Crawford, here to talk about cornerbacks with me. Michael, how are you doing? Hey, Ken. I'm doing great. Can't complain. Uh, happy to be back and really excited to talk about this cornerback group. Yeah, so it's a pretty pretty cool group that's for sure uh maybe we talk a little bit about the ravens needs up front because obviously that's going to drive a lot of this i i I tell folks i make my list for the ravens in terms of what characteristics i think can help them meaning outside corners come ahead of slot in this draft i think but but otherwise uh you know how do i look at these guys um the ravens now in need of multiple cornerbacks i think we'd say really need to get younger at the position yeah i mean You look at that group and obviously Marlon Humphrey, kind of the lead dog, right, in that group. But then you look at the rest of the guys and it's Brandon Stevens, it's Pepe Williams, uh, Jordan Armour Davis. Um, Who am I leaving out? I know I'm leaving out. Uh, Pepe Williams, Jamie Armour Davis. uh, We still have our Darius Washington around. Hamilton's of the slot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, who's your immediate starter opposite? uh marlin and you know i've I've heard some people talk about brandon uh stevens because he's done it you know in a couple of games last year but to your point um even if that's the case which i don't know that it will be because i i think they're probably going to take a corner pretty early in this draft um you probably still want to add some depth and some youth you know you want to kind of infuse that into that room and you know you can't rule out the fact that they're probably going to bring in at least one vet uh I guess, can we still call it free agency? I guess technically it's still free agency, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's after the draft because I know there's that date where you can sign free agents no, and it doesn't no count cop, against yeah. you. Yeah, so I could see them bringing in a vet too. But yeah, I, I definitely think they, they, they're looking to infuse, you know, uh, bodies and, and youth into that room. I think it, it would make sense to have a, maybe a, a cheap vet slot corner. Cause there are, those guys are out there slot mm-hmm. corners. Uh, there's a lot of size limited players. They almost have to play slot. Only one of three cornerback positions and less than one of three snaps, four cornerbacks are taken out of the slot. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to have, you, you, you know, it's, 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 if you have a shortage there, it's a good thing. If you have a shortage on the outside, that's a much more critical thing that you, if you don't have the no- correct number of aircraft carriers, as I always say on the outside to cover, that's a, that's the bigger problem. Uh, but there are, there are guys who can play the slot, and the Ravens have been pretty good at getting guys, Corey Ivey and um, Corey Graham, both guys who, who really helped the team in the slot when they were able to pick them up off the uh, effectively scrappy. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this question. I always say I'm not going to derail us, and here I'm about to do it three minutes into the show, <laughs> <laughs> or less than three minutes. I've been pretty staunch in it's my opinion. It's just my personal opinion, right? We all have preferences, that I'd like to see Kyle Hamilton stay in the slot. Yeah, primarily they're going to move him around he's not going to be exclusively in the slot but i'd like to see him you know that kind of became his primary role as the season went on mm-hmm. i really liked him there uh particularly in their defense and their system and the way it's structured but i know i've heard other opinions like hey maybe we you know bring in a slot corner like you mentioned or draft a slot corner and then move him around so he can do more safety type stuff i i just don't know that i love that how do you how do you feel about Okay. First of all, you're not derailing us at all because it's my next topic on my list here. So, so I'd say that uh, Hamilton in the slot is the biggest decision they have to make. Um, I would agree with you. Um, It, it, I could make the argument that it does not give his instincts as much play as they would get if he were on the back end of a cover two. But then I don't really, you know, at strong safety, um, uh, I don't think that's an ideal fit for him either. Mm -hmm. I actually really love him in the slot as an underneath guy in their zone systems, which basically creates an, another enormous man to throw over. 
for for uh, quarterbacks. And he, he reads the quarterback very well, uh, even in short area, can get there. And his tackling has been way beyond expectation for me. I mean, it's, it's a very high level, uh, uses his arms very well. I, I just, you know, rushes effectively off the slot. It's, it's, it's just people are not used to it because it's kind of a different skill set yeah. at that position. But I love it. I love it, too. And you hit on all of the points. And I know one of the counters that I hear sometimes is like, OK, well, what if he gets matched up with a receiver who's more athletic than him? Right. And you've seen it in a couple of games where that might have been if it wasn't the second Bengals game, it might even been in the playoff Bengals game where, you know, you, you try to go. No, oh, I might be thinking about the Browns game. Yeah, I might be thinking about that second Browns game where I think they put Amari Cooper. That's what it was. I think they, they put Amari Cooper in there a couple of times and he was able to kind of get a some separation and catch a couple of balls. But then what the Ravens do, not only in that game, they did it in other games with Hamilton is they just start blitzing. <laughs> just like, okay, if that's what you're going to do, we understand that's not the greatest matchup in the world with him against, you know, your top wide receiver with him in, you know, in the slot. We'll just blitz him. And he's obviously fast enough. I think he does a pretty good job in terms of his timing with blitz. And then he's six, four with that wingspan. So your quarterback's got to make a pretty quick decision. And he's also got a, maneuver around you know this this huge object uh coming <laughs> coming his way so i don't really see a huge downside with it i hear some people make that argument but i, I think you can kind of mitigate that a little bit with whether it's you know playing him in zone if you're going to keep him in coverage uh or blitzing if you feel like hey they're all zone turns to man at some point and you know it's going to become you know uh, uh, not a great matchup for him well let's just send him yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it definitely gives you a lot more pass rush options in terms of the flexibility of your pass rush playing in that slot. Um, I, I just really like it. I, I, here's There's a couple things that I'm just so thrilled about. One is I, I'm so happy that he was able to adapt to the position so quickly. And you look at the, at the comparison being Brandon Stevens is a guy who's played all over the secondary in college. And admittedly, he's a kind of a late convert to, to playing defensive yeah. back at all after the running back thing. But still, he played a lot of different positions in college and in fact was moved around at SMU on a down by down basis, not even on a by game or by series or anything like that, which has been mostly what he's done with the Ravens. Um, Brandon Stevens has, has had a lot of trouble readapting. Camelot Correa, a lot of trouble adapting for inside outside linebacker. I mean, uh, the multiple position guys, Michael Orr, left tackle, right tackle, yeah. I, I have had a lot of trouble adapting new positions. Hamilton, like that i mean yeah. honestly when he first moved to slot corner i you know i'm seeing him on the field every time he sees a slot corner now and and everybody else is saying oh no he's just a matchup guy he's moving in there when people are hey, it was bull crap i mean he's, he's in there i guess every receiver down mm-hmm. after down you know and he's just adapted the position very well and related to the other thing the matchup thing you mentioned there are always going to be the Cole Beasleys and the, 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 the smaller, slippery slot guys, Welker and, and, and uh, you know, either of the Buffalo guys now. Um, the, those guys give anybody trouble. The, the ability to run a quick rip route is going to beat most cornerbacks, period, and is going to create an open opportunity for a short area play. I, I'd rather have a good tackler with that than I need to have the guy who can reach across the body and make a play on the football, which is – virtually non-existent on those yeah. on those throws to the slot guys yeah and we saw i think as the season progressed with mike mcdonald's defense it became more of the keep the lid on the cookie jar approach mm-hmm. right we can do all the exotic stuff but that can expose us in some ways right not only can you just flat out get beat by it uh if the team identifies it and and, and has a good answer for it you also have to factor in your guys maybe not fully understanding, you know, everything that's going on with the skies and where they're supposed to be, especially when you got young guys in there. So I think as the season went on, you saw that done a little bit more selectively. Probably like the the most extreme version of it where it went like really, really bad was the Dolphins game. (laughs) And then as the season went on, you could kind of see him say, let's just keep everything in front of us. Let's come up and make tackles. You know, we're going to have some opportunities to make plays on the ball uh, in addition to getting stops. And, you know, Denard, you know, my partner on the Fire Zone show, Denard, uh, we would talk about it all season long. He said, look, he, he loves it because he's a big zone defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just like, look, just keep everything in front of you and make tackles. You'll have opportunities to get turnovers if you keep everything in front of you and you can get pressure on the passer and that kind of thing. But he's like, when you do this stuff where you're kind of gambling and, you know, taking some risks that are kind of unnecessary, you expose yourself when you don't have to. So that is his, I'm a little bit more, I was a big, uh, I was a big wink guy. <laughs> I was a big Rex guy. 
uh, I, I, I love the mindset of, you know, solve your problems with aggression. Um, so he and I go back and forth on that. So it's, it was an adjustment for me. I told him throughout the season of sort of shifting kind of the way I like to see defense played, more pressure, more aggressiveness mm-hmm. to, okay, not that they don't have any of that or they didn't do any of that, but it was a, a shift, right, in the weighting of it. And mm-hmm. it, it by, by and large, it, it worked pretty well as the season went on. Yeah, I, I looked at the number of it was either six or seven man pass rushes. I think it was six man pass rushes. They have a very low total for the Ravens this last year as compared to the number of times they did it with uh, with Wink. And that's where it really shows up. They're still rushing five a lot. And and you can rush four and you can rush four. And they are not the same depending on how you zone blitz or you you know drop two, rush two off the edge, whatever you might do. Um, so, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. Stunts, twists, simulated pressure. If you drop two guys from the line of scrimmage, when you show six, uh, all of the things you do to confuse. And I, it's, I agree. It's, it's a, it's a difference, but I think that, that um, one thing about guys who are not aggressive all the time is that they're very adaptable. And I, by the way, I do think Wink was pretty damn adaptable for being a pressure guy and moving off of that when he really needed to. But, but I think that, uh, uh, what we've seen so far from McDonald has been extreme adaptability of of uh, pressure to fit the quarterback. Yeah, I and I give him a ton of credit for it because I think it was one of those things where a realization on his part of how he needed to adapt in terms of how he called games, but also, I mean, you have to think there was some real listening to the players. And I know that happens all the time because it's more partnership, right, mm-hmm. at the NFL level than certainly high school and even college where it's kind of, Hey, I'm the coach. You do what we say NFL is a little bit more of a partnership and you got to imagine that he really took into account what some of the more veteran guys were saying, like, Hey, maybe we don't need to do quite as much as some of the stuff that we were doing early in the season. Maybe we can dial some of this back a little bit and just kind of play these calls. Uh, and then, you know, sort of adjusting to what each guy did well within the defense. So he could have been, you know, more stubborn and just say, Hey, this is what I do. And we're going to just keep doing it until we get it right. And I don't think he did that. I think he did the total opposite of that. I think he's like, Hey, uh, we got to do what you guys do best. Doesn't matter what I know and what I think is good matters, what you know and what you can do consistently. That's what they always say about good coordinators on either side of the ball as they adapt to their personnel and, and build their defense or offense around that. And I think we've only heard it from Munkin so far. But man, I'm loving the. I, I I'm buying. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I am buying right. into what uh, you know what he will bring. And if and you know, just give me players who can make plays, and I'll I'll find it, figure out how to use them. Get guys in space. Get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. Push the ball down the field. He's it. That that's some sweet Kool Aid. Got a lot of sugar in there. Right now. <laughs> so it tastes really good. It sounds really good. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So we will see. Um, the fate of Marcus Peters. Uh, probably has to wait until after the draft, I'm thinking, at this point. And obviously, there's no downside to the Ravens signing Peters earlier than the draft. It might tip their hand. They may already have an agreement with him, for for all we know, and they just don't want to show their hand on draft day, and they say, hey, man, could we, could we wait? I don't think I'd be too keen on that if I were Marcus Peters. I'd want to know it was locked down, and the Ravens weren't going to flip on me and, and uh, you know, Joey Porter Jr., yeah. Deontay Banks or Malcolm Forbes becomes available and they they say, oh, we got to have him. Uh, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. So and and some of the youth things are a matter of the 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 waiting is not good. Obviously, J.A.D. and Pepe were rookies who, who kind of both flamed out last year. And it's not like they're not going to get additional chances. I just think that Pepe goes into a pool of players who has a chance. And J.A.D. is going to be fighting to be the first backup. Um, and he's, he's probably fighting in a little bit of an uphill bat battle against, um, Brandon, but they, they, I don't think there's, there's anybody who's saying that we're going to this season with either of those guys as the starting cornerback. I think that would be a huge under allotment of, of, uh, resources to the position. Yeah. I think you want to keep those competitions as open as possible. Um, you had, like you mentioned two you know rookies in Pepe and JAD, we all know what comes along with being a rookie. It can be a bit of a roller coaster, <laughs> you know, right? That goes on. And sometimes what people don't take into account is, you know, obviously you know this because you go to the all season stuff and training camp and you see, you know, how they're installing different things and putting things in, but they continue to install things as the season goes on. And oh, yeah. so what you're learning at the beginning, and you say, okay, these young guys, they look like they got it, right? They're playing fast, they're flying around. 
Well, as you continue to add things throughout the season, it, it can it can be tough, right? Because it's like, man, I have these handful of calls. I really feel good about these. It took OTAs and camp and everything for me to get them down, but I feel good. And then we get into week two, three, four, and it's like, all right, now we're putting in four or five more things. Oh, hold on. I just got the other things that we had now. So I think, you know, that can that can weigh on guys as the season goes on sometimes. And it's like it can it can be a little much for some guys at times. Uh, it's a sink or swim kind of thing a lot of a lot of times in the NFL. So doesn't mean you write the guys off. This is just an adjustment period, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's fair. Um I I, I would love to see either of them come back and play well. It's just, you know, obviously results were not what we'd hoped for in the first yeah. year. He didn't step forward. Let's jump right into our top tens. We do this always in reverse order, 10 to 1. Michael, you're the guest. Let's hear your number 10 guy and talk about it. All right. I'm going to start out with Syracuse cornerback Garrett Williams. He's my number 10 guy. Uh, what what better way to start than a guy who's coming off a torn ACL? There you go. <laughs> this is probably not ideal in a lot of ways. Um, I do have some honorable mentions. Maybe we'll sneak those guys in at the end. At the end, yeah. Um, but yeah, Garrett Williams uh, tore his ACL, I want to say it was in October. It was against Notre Dame. Yeah, I want to say it was in October. Um, but, you know, before that, 5'10", 192 pounds, um, 31-inch arms, oh, nine and a quarter inch hands. I tried to get all of the measurables down on on these guys. I'm sure you probably have it too. But, you mm-hmm. know, it, people are like, why does he keep mentioning it? Just to give you a visual of kind of, you know, what, what the body type might be on these guys. Uh, obviously, he wasn't able to test because of the torn ACL. Um, I imagine Ravens and other teams don't have full medical on him uh, because of that. I don't know what they were able to get at the combine in terms of a medical eval. If, if that even take, you know, took place, maybe it was just, Hey, here's where he is in his uh, recovery uh, check back, you know, whatever period of time that is. So I, I don't know what the status of that is. I know sometimes they'll bring those guys in for, uh, meetings because Mm -hmm. they don't have medicals and you try to get them, you know, obviously as much as you can get, but just in terms of the player, um, solid size for the cornerback position, a guy who I think showed, you know, some man coverage traits, you know, ability to kind of change direction pretty fluidly, um, likes to get his hands on receivers, willing tackler, which is something I'm always looking for at a, at, mm-hmm. at cornerback. You don't necessarily have to be Marlon Humphrey, but I, I need you to be willing <laughs> to tackle because that, that that's going to, that's, you're going to be called upon to do that at times. Um, a guy who has been tied to the Ravens, uh, as you check around the internet at different things, um, somebody who they may have had uh, a meeting with somewhere along the line. Uh, I'm not, always sure how credible that walter football site is but he tracks a lot of the meat or they i should say yeah, i don't know who's doing it they track a lot of the meetings and stuff like that so i think garrett williams was on their list of you know one of the guys they allegedly met with but again like i said that could be for a variety of reasons it could be medical it could be you know whatever um but he's a guy as we're starting off this list working our way up who you know i think you could do worse you know if you if you get a good prognosis on the acl in terms of the recovery uh Later in the draft, if they accumulate some other picks, you know, other than the five that they have right now, and you say, hey, we'd like this guy on tape before the injury, you know, we'd love to to bring him in and develop him. I think you could do worse than Garrett Williams. That's that's fair enough. Um, you know, Garrett Williams, okay, I have three lists. So I have my top 10, then I have my honorable mentions, and I have four guys who are on a list of no, they're too much of a risk. And on a four-year contract basis, I can't waste the time I've got. On that, and Garrett unfortunately is on that third list. Mm. And and here, here's my reasoning. Um, first of all, I went to Syracuse. That's my alma mater, and it really pains me to say that about this guy. Mm. But uh, he he listed two inches shorter. He was listed two inches larger than he than he actually measured at the combine at at five ten. And I'm not too concerned about that because you can still play on the outside at five ten. But he's a he's size challenged um, f- for that position out there. That's not the problem really at all. It's the ACL is the issue. And then here's more importantly, and this is really bad. He had a damning consistency of really poor big plays allowed. So in 2022, he allowed 12 yards per target. Mm. I mean, think about it. Think about a a wide receiver. The Ravens have never had a wide receiver or or any receiver average 12 yards per target. Mark Andrews at 11.04 in his rookie year is the record holder. And they only have three other guys who've ever been at 10. And, you know, he, 
it's not a small number of total uh, targets. And unfortunately, his career is almost as bad at 8.7 yards per target. So the, the, the big cornerbacks, you know, you want them under six yards per target at the college level. And almost the, the, most of them never get thrown at. Um, so, so the, the problem was, was really results based um, as well. Now, in Garrett Williams' case, you, you, you guy playing corner, you figure, well, he probably had crappy safeties who who weren't getting over to help him at all. Syracuse had two of the best safeties in the nation the last two, you know, the two previous years, Cisco yeah. and and Trill Trilliams, right? Trilliams, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They, they they both ended up going to the NFL. They had another great cornerback on the other side, you know, uh, Melifano that that, yeah. uh, that that went to the NFL also in the third round. It's like, what's his excuse? For these high, these terrible on field pass results. rush, I'm going to blame it on pass rush. That could be. That could be. <laughs> you thought something. So anyway, I uh, he dropped off my list of the top ten with those multiple concerns. So uh, I I couldn't. He's he's a no for me. I I probably wouldn't use a pick anywhere in the draft on him. Of, co- of course, the Ravens, if they if they wanted to even check his medical, they might think, boy, we have to black dot him on our board. But if he drops to the fifth or sixth round, we'll take him, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where he ends up going, but I, I I would say not in the first two rounds for sure. And we'll see if somebody takes him in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah. Okay, who's your number two? Okay, my ten number ten guy, uh, Trey Hodges Tomlinson. So, yep. uh, the TCU guy, and let me get down to my notes on him, make sure that I'm doing these in a good order. So, obviously, people know the the relationship to uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, he's the nephew of him. Uh, he already has turned 23 in January. That's a that's a red flag there. Not a red flag, but it's there's a lot of older players in this draft, but there's also an enormous range in the age that players are. So uh, he, you know he's a January of 2000 birthday. He's also very small, uh, 5'8", 178, 29 inch arms, uh, 441 speed. Uh, he still, even with those limitations, played primarily on the outside uh, in college, and you wouldn't necessarily do that. But then again. When you're a really terrific athlete at the college level, it's more likely you'll play out of position for your size. He's purely a um, uh, a slot guy in the NFL. Uh, reads breaks very well. Uh, that's what really makes up for his size limitations. And 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 frankly, his speed is not top end. So you know, it's nice to see a guy who 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 breaks well with that kind of uh, uh, frame and size, uh, frame and speed rather. Um, I think he plays bigger than who he is downhill, which was one of the nice things to see on tape. Is uh, I want to see a guy who hits, goes through the body, or goes low. Um, and the more he goes through the the midsection hips of the player, as opposed to goes for the knees of the player, if you go for the knees and and you don't know if you're getting the whole set of tackles, then you really want to make sure he's able to consistently get there. If he goes through the the, the middle of the body, he's able to do that at a little bit smaller size. That that's very good sign in in, in terms of that. And if he uh, if he's a twister, that's the weakest of all in terms of of how you're gonna attack players after the catch um 36 passes defense five interceptions among those in 38 games at tcu fantastic ball production rate uh had three forced fumbles to add to that um i would think and you know you made the point about zone versus man earlier and if if you get zone if denard i think this is quoting him is saying if if you play zone you're going to get opportunities to get the football eyes in the backfield in zone coverage is a huge impact on total ball production. So the man corners, I would think they they are they start with a disadvantage because it's harder for them to find the football. And our college quarterbacks give them more chances, particularly when they're not super accurate to find that football and, and particularly to find it on an underthrow. But uh, uh, you know, I, I still I like the the high ball production guys and and Travius uh, Hodges Tomlinson does that. Uh, not a great gambler yet. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's had some penalty problems in college that has come up. So I, we're not ready to call this guy Marcus Peters yet. And there are other guys in this draft, a couple other guys who are, mm-hmm. had the Marcus Peters traits. Um, but, but I but love his ball production at his size and uh, play the way he does. So he uh, had pretty heavy zone scheme that he played at, uh, at TCU. But I think he'd be a good pickup for the Ravens probably in round three, uh, and he might not even last to number 86. So we'll see. Yeah, to me, he was a reminiscent of another TCU cornerback uh, who was a little undersized coming out back in the day, Jason Verrett. People may remember Jason Verrett had really, really unfortunate injury luck uh, throughout his NFL career. I want to say he's torn his ACL at least three times. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's been a lot with Jason Verrett, but came out, was drafted by the Chargers. His rookie season looked like, you know, the next coming, right? It was really, really good. Uh, but he was about an inch taller. I want to say he was 5'9", 189 coming out. Inch taller, maybe about 10 pounds heavier um, than Hodges Tomlinson. But just remember when I was watching Tredavious, I was like, man, this, this looks like Jason Verrett. Just you see him, right, in the size and just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Like, what the TCU corner is kind of an undersized guy who – went on to the NFL and had some initial success. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that Jason Verrett's career has, you know, kind of had that injury thing with it. But, um, yeah, I, I, the size thing with, with him to me is just like, look, I mean, put on the tape and watch him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's small, but he goes out there and he competes. And like you said, he makes plays on the ball and tackles. He gets guys on the ground. So, hey, un- until he shows he can't do it at the NFL level, <laughs> you bring him in and uh, you trust the tape. Well, very good. Um, so w- was he on your list somewhere? Uh, honorable mention. Very good. He's in the honorable mentions. Some of those guys in my honorable mention list, I want to say two or three of those guys, I could have flipped them for like the ninth and 10th guys yeah. on the list. It could have gone either way. Yeah, I had um, some of that too. So are we on nine? Now? Your number nine guy. Number nine. This is probably going to, he's probably going to be higher on your list. Uh, Julius Brents quarterback out of Kansas State. Actually, also my number nine guy. <laughs> okay, look at that. Ooh, yeah. There we go. I think we did this on another show. Yes, we did. Where we had the last question. five were exactly the same yeah, or something. Exactly and and it was it was a position where there was a lot of variability. It was uh, like edge rusher, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, hey, there we go. Right off the bat. Uh, 6'2", 198. You, you know, you, you like that aircraft carrier size. Uh, 34-inch arms. There you go. Brother, he's got it. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of cornerbacks with that kind of arm league. Uh, ironically, there's another one in this draft, but um, I went back and looked and 
at least since 2010, I want to say there's like two or three other guys with 34-inch arm length at corner. Hadn't been a ton of them. None of the names would be names that people <laughs> recognize, so I'm not even going to mention them. Um, but, you know, Brent's played in the Big 12. There's certainly a stigma when it comes to defense in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, people may uh, have a picture of him, you know, kind of giving up some stuff to Quentin Johnson against TCU in the game where they matched up. Quentin Johnson got him a couple times in that game. Um, but what really kind of turned me on Brent's, I liked his tape. I thought he was solid because you look at that size and you look at the way that he moves, the way he's able to sink his hips um, for a guy that size. You know, obviously he's, he's you know, going to be able to be physical. So I liked all of that. But then he went to the Senior Bowl. I was trying to make the Senior Bowl, and I'm like, this looks even better. <laughs> what he did there in terms of his one-on-one reps, I was like, this looks even better than what I saw on tape. Now, obviously, the tape, you know, you, you you put the highest, you know, weighting on, but going to that game in that environment against, you know, those players, that carries weight too. And to see, you know, the way that he was able to really kind of shut some guys down in the one-on-ones, it wasn't Darius Rush level, but it was still pretty good. <laughs> and so uh, it really kind of pushed me over the top. I mean, I was kind of there with him anyway, but I was like, yeah, I just wish there was just a little bit more there. It's, it's one of those guys where it's like, you know, everything looks pretty good, but you wish he would just kind of finish the play, right? Finish it. Don't allow the catch. Knock the ball away maybe even prevent the throw from being made on some occasions because of your coverage. You know, let me, I just want to see a little bit of that more consistently. And he showed that more consistently at the senior bowl. So I think he's a sending type guy who the arrow is kind of pointing up on him. He's just got all of this physical ability that, you know, really can be honed uh, and refined. So I'm really interested in him and to see, you know, kind of how he develops once he gets in in whatever his team will be in the NFL. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, He's, he, he does not have that top end speed. So that that's that's one of the issues with him. Otherwise, he really looks a little bit like um, this year's Tyreek Woolen in terms of being an enormous guy who uh, comes with a lot of the physical traits you want. Tyreek Woolen, I mean, boy, they, yeah. they they made him a great player right away. Even though we're questioning, is it round two, round five? You know that you take yeah. this guy, uh, but but it, it, you know that that really worked out. I'm with you exactly on what the key negative is: is that he he just does not have as much. Uh, PFF has a forced incompletion rate and his was only 11.8%, six out of 51 targets. Now, first of all, that's a fair number of targets to, to, to get. So it's, it shouldn't be a case of there's, it, there's a lot of variability in that and only forcing six incompletions. I mean, there's guys in this draft who were up upwards of 20, I believe in terms of forced incompletions for the year. So um, it, it's not, it's, it's bad. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's really bad and it doesn't match the measurables in terms of being a guy who creates a large overlapping interception radius on a, on the receiver's catch radius. So it should be a guy who could make plays from behind with those kind of arms across the body, uh, obviously take away all kinds of space when he's underneath um, in terms of underthrows and whatnot. Uh, and also, you know, at his size, he should be a guy who should be able to push people out of the sidelines. If he should be that Ike Taylor, Jimmy Smith, um, I own this sideline guy. Uh, and, and he really, you know, has not shown that so far at the college level. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see more than that, that at the pro, um, you know, I think that Brent's is an interesting guy because of his speed as where you play him. And he, and he creates a, creates an interesting thing. If you want, if your team plays a lot of cover three, you probably do not want Brent's on the back end because I don't think he's the greatest read guy. I think what he gives you is a lot of what Kyle Hamilton gives you a huge size guy underneath to threaten what's going on. And, and also it's a prodigious hits on tape also. So having him underneath for, 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 to you know, break up wide receiver screens and go after a running back when, you know, he's got the ball. I love all that stuff, but, but I, I think on the back end of cover three, he actually, you, you get less value out of him there. So I think you, your team has to kind of adjust and have your safety be the guy who drops to the back end of his side. Let's say he's at left cornerback, then the safety has to go back where it normally be both corners going back on them on the outside and cover three, if you want to do that. Uh, so a, a, kind of a mystery of, of where to go round two, round three at the latest. Um, but uh, you know, somebody will take a chance on him by then. There's just too many interesting measurables for people not to do that. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Julius Brent, my number nine guy. So we're to do your number eight guy. Number eight for me, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. Um, six, Oh, six feet, even 198 pounds. Um, 
pretty decent measurables otherwise. Uh, a little over nine and a half inch hands, 32 inch arms, ran a four, four, five, um, you know, pretty solid in the jumps. I think he had a 38.5 vert, 10 broad, um, agility drills, no bueno, uh, 4.41 short <laughs> shuttle, 709, three cone, <laughs> no bueno in the agilities for Tyreek, uh, started out at Georgia, uh, ended up transferring to Miami. So again, just, you know, every time we talk about Georgia and you think about their defense, and you start naming the players who transferred when <laughs> you're like, oh, and they were still that good without these guys that left and went on to other schools and had pretty, pretty decent careers at other schools. You think about the uh, pass rusher last year, Jermaine, um, like his last name. Now he ended up going to the Jets. Johnson. There you go. Um, you just think about these guys that leave there. Uh, so anyway, back to Tyreek. Um, I will admit on tape, it was just okay. Right. I was just okay. I said, look, I, I can look at the guy's size. I can look at the way he moves. I can look at the way he runs. I can definitely see him playing corner in the NFL, but it was just okay. Like in my notes, that was the biggest thing that I had. I was like, I don't don't think his eye discipline is really good. Um, I think he's aggressive as a tackler, but, you know, can be one of those guys who, who, you know, is looking for like the the, the kill shot at times, right? A little little undisciplined with it at times. Um, But it was just all like, okay. But then another guy goes to the senior bowl, I'm like, this looks a whole lot better. You see, even the one-on-one reps, much stickier coverage, much more disciplined with his eyes. Um, obviously, you're not going to see, you know, tackling, you know, opportunities there. But just in the coverage uh, reps that he had in practice against a variety of different wide receivers, there, I'm just like, okay, this this looks more like a, a round two, round three type of situation here. Uh, so I kind of don't know how to feel about it because I'm like, the tape was just okay goes to the senior bowl and it looks above average, but who is he? <laughs> you know, which one of the guys is he? It's, it's, it's interesting because, because with good press corners, it's always, you don't, they don't get a lot of highlight tape with what they do right at the line of scrimmage, but that's where they end plays before they become highlights is the, is that, you know, they're, they're up there. They disrupt that timing right off the line of scrimmage. The quarterback has to go to a second read or, or doesn't, you know, work through that read. It ends up being a sack, you know, or it ends up being a, you know, a, a pressure that ends up in a throwaway and you don't really focus on that corner. So if you watch highlight takes, you'll miss a lot of that from Tyreek Stevenson because it's a big part of his game. I've got him, by the way, at 33 inch arms. It might be might be different from you, but that's what I, I saw in yeah, terms of his combat. I got it from uh, I should I should credit it. My source, uh, Kent Lee Platt, Math Bomb at Math Bomb on Twitter. The guy does the relative athletic store. That's that's where all these numbers are coming. I'll I have to look at that then. I I, uh, I uh, have the, the I thought I had the combine stuff, but maybe maybe I I don't in this case. Um, I, you know, for his size, I didn't really see as good a downhill player. And yeah, I I, I hear your kill shot uh, uh, thing. I think that's probably part of it. Um, you know, he. He does bring some use some additional value on special teams, and I think that's where he's going to end up learning how to tackle again. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that that uh, uh, he also had been a return man. I think he had a, he had a really nice return on tape in one of the games where it just looked like he was a man among boys getting bounced off. Of. I don't know if you saw that one in particular. Uh, played forty one college games, twenty one passes defense, three interceptions among those. What I liked about his type of PD, and I lit a lot of that this year in terms of. Um, type of interception and type of PD as we go through this will be something. Had a lot of good ball production that was in trail coverage or by reach around. So reach around from the back or trail coverage on slants and other things where he's reaching across the body of the receiver. And that is good use of length is all I can yeah. say. You do it either either way you do it, from behind or, or across the body, I, I'm happy. I was actually pretty happy with what Pepe looked like in yeah. his limited time just reaching across the body much better than his 29 inch length should allow. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he's, he was, uh, he was good at that, but he's, I think Tyreek, that's one of his uh, really positive. He, he did not have good production in terms of yards per target, 8.8 yards per target on 40 targets this last season. It's not what you want. And he did that with a 42.5% completion rate. So that means on the balls that are getting completed, he's probably giving up pretty close to 20 yards, a throw. Not what you want, obviously. Uh, I think he's one of the players, and, and he, he might be one of the only ones really in this group who I think a move to safety might really be dictated at some point. I, it just seems to play better for who he is. 
but uh, we'll see. It's it's you don't want to move people too early. You certainly don't want to move tackles to guard too early, and you don't want to move outside corners to safety too early. But I think that would be the that it, it would be the fallback position for him is uh, you know can, can he play safety if he goes in that? So uh, you know I think because I expect him to go in the in probably the second round late. I don't think the Ravens get him unless they trade down in this draft. So that's one of the one of the things that there's a big black hole there between 22 and 86, mm-hmm. where the Ravens only get players if they trade down. Yeah, there's another guy in this draft. I'm sure we'll talk about him. Who there's some possible move to safety scuttlebutt mm-hmm. out there about him. I'm sure we'll get there. Um, but that was my number eight guy. Who's your? Oh, okay, my my number eight guy is DJ Turner of Michigan. So every every time I got to a Michigan guy, and this is at all positions, uh, my I, I my fear, my jaundiced eye gets turned on as the the Ravens with their Michigan connection are going to overvalue this guy. <laughs> and oh my God, I don't want that. Uh, Turner size is kind of a limitation. He's 178 pounds is the biggest thing. 5'11", he could still play on the outside at that. 30.75 inch arms is a little bit short, uh, but 426 speed. And right. you can't can't do can't make up for that. So he doesn't have the ideal size for the outside. But but on the other hand, that makeup speed you'd be you'd be wasting it. And and that's what long speed is is really used but most by corners when they make up when they make a mistake when they get a little bit behind they can come back and they can make a play on a on a either a long ball or a, or a uh, any sort of where they have to run a long distance. And in the slot, you don't usually have to run a long distance to, to block right. to, to, to stop the throw. It's usually on the outside because the ball has to travel. So anyway, just a little bit of physics there. <laughs> so um, certainly doesn't have the ideal size for the, for the outside. Otherwise, um, man heavy at Michigan. Um, he was outstanding the last two years, 5.2 yards per target overall when they force him into this man role, which is, I think, probably where he will excel in the NFL. Um, he had three ints and 17 passes defense, which looked pretty good for a, a 27 game stretch, but they threw at him like almost no other corner in college football, 4.8. Well, and, and when I say that there's plenty of other bad college corners who are getting a lot of targets, but, but not good college corners who were, yeah. who were looking at the draft. So 4.8 targets per game. Um, I think that was a function of him being following the best receiver on the other team. And the reason I say that is he's not a consistent left corner, right corner guy. You see him on both sides of the field on the tape. So um, I, I think that's what's happening there. Um, lots of good press reps despite that size. Uh, he's really fearless at the line of scrimmage. A lot of that comes with having good makeup speed is that is that he's able to uh, put his hands on the opponent and, and still try to press even at his size. Um, I think a uh, little bit of a project probably still at the NFL because bigger receivers are going are gonna to give him a lot of trouble off the line of scrimmage. But uh, we'll see. I think he goes fairly early in this draft. And one of the measurables teams, and there are a few of them, the Raiders historically, of course, and, and the Patriots and the Seahawks may say, look, we'll just put him with our DB, DB's coach and, and we'll fix him. And, and in the last two teams' case, they'll be correct. And if, they, if the Raiders draft him, then he's, then he's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the Ravens. I mean, you mentioned the connection. Obviously, he was there in 2020, uh, 2021 when McDonald was the D.C. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mike obviously knows him and uh, probably has a an understanding more than, you know, some of the other NFL D.C.s who are just watching the film, uh, an understanding of kind of who the kid is, how he works, um, you know, what he does best and kind of, you know, how he can uh, be put in situations to do that. So all those things are pluses, right, um, in, in terms of you know, information and, and understanding what to do with him. But like you said, you always do wonder if that causes them to go a little overboard because they do have, you know, all of that information on some of these guys. So I don't know. I, 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 I feel like there's, there's a way somehow possibly maybe <laughs> that DJ could end up a Raven, but we'll see. We'll Who, see. Where did you have uh, Turner on your list? Honorable mention. <laughs> there you go. He was honorable Mitch. And the only reason I was so low on him and didn't have him in the top 10 um, was the size thing. Uh, like mm-hmm. you said, just I don't get like height doesn't bother me as much as weight. We're interesting because like, we got a really light cornerback coming. We on. do. We do. But we talk he does it. some stuff that trumps the weight, in my opinion. I'm just go. like, you know what? Uh, I think I've uh, I've comped him to a Kenyan marathoner. Uh, in terms of a body type, let's not but... give it all away. Let's not give it all away. <laughs> yeah, let's save it. Let's save it. All right. All right. So you got your number. Your number seven guy is next. Okay. Now I know I'm lower on this guy than everybody else because you know he went to the combine and put on a freak show. Deontay Banks is my number seven guy. Um, and for me, 
look, the measurables, the athletic testing, everybody saw that. So, I mean, if you were going to build a cornerback, right, in a lab, six foot, 197, uh, you know, a little over nine inch hands, a little over 31 inch arms, four, three, five, 40, 42 inch vert, 11 broad, right? If you're going to build a cornerback in the lab, this, this is what you would build, right? This is, this is what it would look like. This is who it would look like. But see, I didn't, I'll say this. I started watching his teammate, Jacorian Bennett, first like early on, because typically what I do is I'll try to watch some guys in the summer, right? Right. So I'll try to watch some previous year stuff on them from the summer. And then when we get into the fall, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm more just watching guys on TV. I haven't gotten into the all 22 yet. Cause it takes a little while for that stuff to come out, but then it comes out and usually somewhere around when the senior bowl invites come out, that's when I really start trying to dig into the all 22. So his teammate was a senior bowl invite. I think he ended up being one too. I don't know if he actually went or not. Um, but I know Jacurian and Bennett was there. So I'm watching him first, right? So I'm telling this story because I kind of came late to Banks. I really was focusing on Bennett. And I would see this guy on the other side making these plays. And I'm like, well, who is this other guy over there? He's flashing. And, you know, when you're watching, that's what you do. You see other things and you jot it down. You're like, all right, I'm going to go back and look up his name. But right now I'm just jot down his jersey number and that, you know, he did this or he did that. I'll go back and look him up later. So I do that. And so then the second time around, I'm, I'm focusing exclusively on him, right, and watching him. And I kind of came away, this is going to sound bad, not the same way that I did with Tyree Stevenson, not not to that level, but kind of like, okay, yeah, now this is okay. This is solid. This is solid tape. This is okay, right? Physical guy, likes to get his hands on guys, sometimes a little too much, um, obviously can run. Um, but I was just like, I, I don't know. It, 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 it wasn't, and then the testing happened, right? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to reconcile those things in my mind because I'm like, he tests like a top one or two, top one, two, three corner in this class. But I didn't see that on tape. So for me, that was, that was, that was kind of the disconnect. Not, and you know, like people hear that and it makes it sound like you don't like the guy. No, nah, he's still, I mean, we're, we've got him in our top 10 and you probably have him even a little higher than me. So clearly he's a very good player, but I just didn't see the athleticism that he displayed at the combine as consistently on, on tape. I saw flashes of it for sure. At times you'd seem, you know, get out of a pedal and drive, you know, on a ball or you'd seem change direction, you know, only have to maybe take a step or two, two steps, you know, maybe to get out of a transition and, um, you know, sort of locate the ball or match a receiver. So I saw flashes of it, but I just, I don't know. It, it wasn't a complete one-to-one for me. So that's probably why I have him at seven and not, not higher. All right. Well, I had him at six. But okay. not 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 a whole lot higher. Um, I I love the guy, and and honestly, I I would I think I'm going to just say pretty much the opposite to what you just said. So I hope yeah. we can still be friends after this. Just opinions. Yeah, sure, sure. The the um, uh, the production his production is one of his strongest suits to me. Four point three yards per target in 2022, and he's targeted sixty times. So they're throwing at him. And they're still not, you know, you might as well have a run game at 4.3 yards per, per target. You, and and there's a lot of turnovers in, included in, the, in that, uh, uh, or, or a lot of turnover risk included in that, both on the sacks and and the and the interception he got. And I don't know if there was a tip ball that, that involved him. He did give up four t- touchdowns. So he got beat a few times. But uh, to me, you had to throw at somebody at Maryland, and they had a couple of great corners they were presenting. Banks, I think, was more frequently on the better of the the opposing receivers um that i i don't i i i can't say 100 but i did see some on tape of banks on both sides of the field as opposed to bennett and banks were just all playing left corner right corner you know game by game um this is something that it's a it's a it would it would be an explainer of some of that production numbers he only had one missed tackle on the season now most of the guys in this group Five, six missed tackles, you know, missed tackle rate is in the 10 to 15% range. And, you know, you, you pretty much, I look at a 10 or 11% missed tackle rate and I say, okay, that's kind of normal for even a, even a really good corner. Um, and then you have other guys who are up closer to 20% and that's not acceptable. Um, but then you have Banks, who's only got one missed tackle the whole season. Why that might not be good is... I'm assigning a weight to the production and that's what's kept it down. I don't know that we can depend on that to play as big a factor at the NFL level. So it was my only kind of a, kind of a, uh, a little 
think about it. he's had some injury history that that you know we gotta we gotta look back on and be cognizant of. Um, I think you know he's a guy who could possibly play slot corner, but I think it's a waste of his size, all the explosiveness and speed we saw to not put him in a position where the ball has to travel and you know, allow him to make a play on the football. Uh, uh, you know, if if you if you buy into the versatility argument about him, then you think, okay, if something ham- happened to Hamilton, he's the guy who can move to slot corner, and then you keep you keep hot you keep uh, Humphrey on the outside. So he gives you that in terms of value if you're the Ravens. Um, I think he, he ends up being a guy who could be very close to the intersection of need and value. But I honestly believe that Banks is going to at 22. But I, I believe that Banks is going to be there. Other corners are going to be there. Ravens will have other choices uh, as well because of inefficiency in the first 21 picks, including the quarterbacks all going off yep. um, that are going to that are going to make other players too interesting. A trade down is the is the Ravens' probably best way to get him. Um, and if they if there's truly not the run on cornerbacks that they see, I really want them to get my number three cornerback at 22. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that 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 that'll work out. But love to see Deontay Banks a Raven, and and if it was Banks and and Bennett on, uh, they get both of them. I'd be even more thrilled. Yeah, that would be a great double dip. Yeah. <laughs> and the Ravens, we know the Ravens like to double dip at certain positions. They've done it, you know, at different spots in different drafts. So wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if, if we saw a, a, a cornerback double dip in this one. An early two and maybe maybe a four on Bennett or a five even. Yeah, I, I wonder after his combine if he gets the five, because I mean mm-hmm. he he really ran well and jumped well too. But I can see I definitely see that that four or five range. Yeah. We'll be back for part two in just a few minutes. Actually, it's a download for you with Michael Crawford on the remainder of the cornerback class. Talking a few. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.